it is time for another episode of Life in Paradise podcast with me, your host, Brandon Harper. Today is Sunday, November 6, 2022, and I'm coming at you from South Texas once again, Corpus Christi, Pacifically, to be exact, and it's about 86 degrees outside. Nice, cool November day. Uh, nice and humid out there, but that's okay. I'm inside in the air conditioning. This week's supposed to get a little bit cooler, and I'm not going to complain about that. I'm ready for some open window sleeping season. I don't know why I always feel the need to disclose the weather. I guess it's because like it's ingrained in your brain that when you hear an audio format type production that's kind of contingent on the time at which you listen to it, they always throw the weather in there. So, you know what? I do the same thing, too. All right? What are you going to do? Eh? So sue me. All right. All right. You didn't come here to hear me make fun of people from the Northeast. For those of you who may not know, I'm a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once a week to get them off my chest. I also do a podcast with my cousin homeboy, Harry, called Old Dog New Tricks. Check it out if you have not already. But this is Life in Paradise, the only show on the interwebs that has nothing to do with the title. And if there's one thing you'll know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. So sit back, relax, and you know what to do. excited. Do you know why I'm getting excited? Because in two more days, we have the midterm elections. And what does that mean? It means we're probably going to see a red wave, which is kind of exciting to me. That's because I'm a Republican. I don't pretend not to be. I don't pretend to not have an opinion. I don't pretend to not be influenced by people that I listen to. I'm just here to share my opinion as I see fit. You cannot cancel someone for their opinion, even if you disagree with it. Well, I say you can't. There are people out there who say you can. People like YouTube and the Google and the Twitter and the Instagram. So I'm excited. I've been looking at the uh, the odds, and the odds are that the Republicans are going to take the cake this go-around. I think they'll overturn the House and the Senate. But you got to be careful because a tactic that these political pundits use is they run around touting well the polls are showing democrats losing and you know we're, we're not in a good position and so everyone thinks yeah the democrats are losing man we're gonna win just trump trump to the moon and so what that drives people to do is the people who support the losing party get scared and they're more likely to go vote and the people who support the party who's winning in the polls think to themselves, man, we're going to win so bad. I don't, I don't even need to go vote. I'm not even voting this year. I ain't got time to go stand that line. I got to go to work. You know, I mean, I'm not going to punch out to go vote. And so it ends up, it can work in their favor. If you think about it, it's a pretty clever tactic. So watch out for it when everyone's like, oh man, CNN's admitting that they're losing in the polls. And let me just say this. It hurts my heart to say CNN 
and refer to them as a politically biased entity because that is not what news is supposed to be. Now, we figured out that it's more profitable to do it that way, so that's what we do it. And they've figured out that it's profitable for them to support one party over the other, so they, they do it. And so they use the same tactics that the people used to use that were within the actual party. So, yeah, it could work. You know, if, if all the people who plan on voting for Republicans stay home and all the Democrats have been scared to get off their couch and maybe show up late to pick up their unemployment check, then maybe they'll go vote and maybe the Republicans will lose. I hope the opposite is true. And that's because I don't think the Democrat Party is moving in a direction that's good. And I know that they think the same thing about the Republicans, and I get it. But most people are influenced by the media, but I don't think I am. I really don't. I'm, I know I just said I was influenced, but my, my thoughts have been my own for as long as I can remember. I remember being 12 years old, maybe even younger than that, and explaining to my mom why I did not like the news. And you know what my answers were? You know why I said I don't like the news? I said, Mom, all they do is talk about bad things that happen. They're motivated to get people to watch by showing bad things. I'm telling you, this is me at 12 years old. Not a joke. Not a joke. And I would tell her, this is why they always talk about the negativity, because they know that people are more likely to watch it. And I probably didn't say it that smoothly when I was 12, but I remember thinking that, and I remember having that conversation with my mom. And then I remember later in life, I was talking to someone in front of my mom. I, I was probably in my mid to late 20s, mid 30s maybe. And she said, oh yeah, no, Brandon... Brennan has had a dislike for the media since I can remember. And that was a reassurance to me that I've been consistent in my thoughts. So who knows? N nobody is completely unbiased. I get that. But I feel like that the, the key to good journalism, someone that we can trust, is that people who present the facts and let the consumers make their own decision. And then there's another group of people who think that you should not be able to say your opinion because you're too dumb and you might spark some movement amongst all the dumb people, and that's terrifying to them, and it should be. But that's what you call a check and balance, right? I mean, extremists don't just turn into extremists overnight. People don't. People may say things, but it takes an extremist to act a certain way. And what got me going on this whole rant, first rant of the day, was that I got back on Twitter. And man, it is a cesspool, that place. If you're not on Twitter, don't, don't go get on there. It is terrible. It is a place full of negativity and arguing and bitching and bickering and fighting with total strangers. And so I've come to the conclusion, and I've said this before, that it's not a place where people go to exchange ideas. It's a place where people can go vent and they could be sarcastic and they can be snarky. They're not there to debate ideas or they're not open for the exchange of new information. They just want to get stuff off their chest. And I think part of this is a direct cause of how much people tell everyone, oh, don't say that. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't say that. You should keep your opinions to yourself. You shouldn't talk about religion. You shouldn't talk about politics. Don't argue with people. It's been beaten into our heads. And so people really need this outlet where they can go just let it all out, just vomit, because they've been bottling up their opinions inside. And sure, it's just a place full of opinions, and you're not going to change anyone's opinion on Twitter. 
but people still try. And you know, when I first started dabbling, I thought maybe you know maybe these people will listen to what I have to say, or maybe we can exchange ideas, and maybe I can figure out why they feel the way that I feel. But I quickly learned that that is not what people want. And so I've been doing a little experiment of my own, and I will engage with someone. I will respond to their snarky comment with a question, and they'll they'll reply, and I'll respond with a question. And I won't respond with anything but questions. And they normally just flip out and don't know what to do because they're posting all these memes with these checklists telling me why I love the orange man and how my people are going to run this country into the ground. And this is without me even saying anything. This is with me just asking questions. One one guy was like, um, oh, let me think. Let me think of this, how this conversation went. Oh, yeah. He was talking about how that, <laughs> that inflation is caused by Ukraine. And I said, I thought Milton Friedman says that only governments cause inflation. And Milton Friedman is an old, he's an old economist, he's dead now, but he was a hardcore capitalist, believed in the free market, wanted the government to leave businesses alone. So that's that's how he, you know, that's how he thought. Those were his thoughts. And so I quoted him, I said, I thought Milton Friedman said inflation was only caused by governments. Like printing money is really the only thing that causes inflation. And this guy, like to my question, right? I asked him a question. He writes back, clearly you're not an economist. This is the dumbest thing I've heard. Friedman has been, been debunked over and over again. And I go, really? What's your source? He's like, I don't need a source. This is well known to the e- economic field or whatever. And I said, who, who is the smartest man that you know? And he's like, why is that relevant? And I said, I'm just curious. So then he responded, I think Stephen Hawking was a pretty smart guy. And then I asked him, have you read any of his books? And then he goes, he responded to me, what are you writing a book on me? And then I said, no, I'm just curious. And then no, no response. <laughs> they do not know how to act. So I'm just going to, I'm going to tinker. I'm going to tinker with the Twittiots. And I'm going to probably say some sarcastic stuff. I'm probably going to say some stuff that will be used out of context if I ever run for office one day. But if I need to, I'll just delete my Twitter account. I don't take it seriously. I've come to realize that, no, people don't come here to exchange ideas. They come here to fight. And right now, the only thing that everyone's fighting about is the elections or, you know, which political tribe they're in. And <laughs> and they're bashing Elon for buying Twitter, which is the funniest thing because you have all these people that don't understand business. They don't know how corporations work. They don't know how the money of businesses work. They don't understand these types of things. But they're calling Elon Musk some idiot who tried to buy Twitter, and obviously he's failing because it's not working properly. And the guys literally owned it for like four days. And so it's just funny to watch these people. And I have to remind myself, these people are voting. These people get to make a decision on who leads the country. And they're proving through their words that they'll vote for anyone as long as they say what they want to hear. I mean, the new narrative is that Republicans want to end Social Security and they want to cut Medicare, which is insane to me, specifically because there's a bunch of clips going around that feature Biden talking about wanting to cut off funding to Social Security and Medicare. In fact, let me just play it for you. Here's here's Bernie Sanders, Mr. Make It Rain on the entire world, telling Joe Byron that it will be a disaster if Joe Biden cuts all this spending, which there's a couple little pieces of irony in this clip, 
one of them is Bernie Sanders begging for college loans, which he ends up begging for forgiveness. But yeah, here you go. Take a listen. The balanced budget amendment will be a disaster. Everything's always a disaster. It's a it's a disaster to balance the budget. Right. Okay, Bern. That's why you don't manage money for a living. For working people, for elderly people, for low-income people. It will mean, in my view, the destruction of the social security system as we know it. It will mean savage cuts in Medicare, in Medicaid, in the opportunity of young people to get grants and loans to go to college. I'm going to go on record. I'm up for re-election this year, and I'm going to remind everybody what I did at home, which is going to cost me politically. I, when I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. I meant Medicare and Medicaid. I meant veterans' benefits. I meant every single solitary thing in the government. And I not only tried it once, I tried it twice, I tried it a third time, and I tried it a fourth time. So there you have it. This is just another example how these people will, will stop at no lengths to try to turn their voters on their opponents. See, it's not about leadership. It's not about vision. It's not about characteristics of someone who's in power that wants to do the best thing for the country. It's about how do I capture their votes? That's all this whole thing's about. I haven't had a chance to do it yet, but one of my goals in the next, I don't know, after this election cycle is to go figure out how much money was spent trying to win elections in the U.S. for the midterms, from the bottom to the top. Now, it's going to be impossible to get stuff from every county judge and every mayor, but we can, we can start at the Senate, Congress, governors, and go all the way up from there. And I think if we figure out how much money that these businesses and individuals and mom-and-pop shops and retired people and Apple and Google are giving to these slime balls. It would be astounding. This this is becoming more and more transparent as we have time, as we have the ability to exchange information. One day, one day, I hope it's in my lifetime, we will have realized that this is a waste. We're giving way too much money to these people and getting nothing in return. The only people who get things in return are the big donors, the big donors who have the ability to get policy changes done. And this is this is how we are just as corrupt. We our government system has evolved into a complete debauch de, what is that word? debauchery, debauchery. It has changed and transformed into a state of mess here in which by we no longer have the ability to contribute, retribute and patriotize the illusions of the democracy within our individuality. In other words, it's time to burn the whole place down. Not literally, just figuratively. Okay, fact checkers? I hate to be one of those... Right-wing conspiracy theorists! ...who say that the government's corrupt and we need to completely change them over, but that's what I think. We should not trust these people. We, we wouldn't trust them to do lots of things. We wouldn't trust them to watch our kids. Or at least, I hope you wouldn't. I wouldn't leave any child I know... With Joe Biden, I know, I hate to say it, I hate it, but I would not leave a girl, of a 12-year-old and up girl, maybe nine. No, remember? How are you, baby? How old are you? How old are you? Almost double figures. I wouldn't trust that man. The way he's talking to a nine-year-old girl, the way he sniffs her hair, the way that his own son refers to him as pedo Joe, 
you know, it's a shame that we have to admit it, but we do. And I don't care if you call me a right-wing conspiracy theorist. That doesn't matter to me. I'm okay with that. Because a lot of conspiracy theories are right. And if they're wrong, then oh well. They're wrong. No, no harm done, right? But we shouldn't be afraid to express our opinions. What they value and look at their budget and what they're proposing. Romney wants to let the, he said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. Could you imagine a Republican politician standing up in front of a group of black people telling them that his opponent wanted to put them back in chains? I don't think it would go over too well. That's just my opinion. Lucky for us, though. Lucky for us. Biden's been to 54 states. So he knows a thing or two about getting votes. And by the way, if they do, that means not a joke, everybody. That's why we were defeated in 2018 when they tried to do it. We went to 54 states. Yeah, it went to 54 states. You know where he learned this from? He learned it from his predecessor. The, uh, remember the, the black president who was gonna, who's going to give us hope and change and in the divisiveness and turn us all around and give us all free health care? Yeah, remember that guy? He'd been to 57 states. Over the last 15 months, we've traveled... Uh, to every corner of the United States. Uh, I've now been in 57 states. I think one left to go. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how that happens. You know, everyone's susceptible to a brain fart. Everyone misstates things, but I just, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, I know that if I sat down and I asked him, hey, Joe, Joe, can you hear me, Joe? Joe, how many states are there in the United States? No, no, in in the United States, Joe, how many states? No, how many states do we have, Joe? Uh, he would say 50, 50, 50 probably 50. I'm going to go with 50. Finally, you know, he would probably get it right. But it just shows me how comfortable they are spewing things instead of saying, oh, wait, no, I messed up. Golly. Can we rerun that back, or let me correct that. We all know there's only 50 states, but they don't. They're so comfortable with just being wrong and proceeding with charisma and character and smiling and being angry when they're supposed to be angry so that you're intimidated and that you're not questioning them. See, they're so polished in that that they can just keep going. They're so fluid. And then if they get questioned out later, they can make some excuse or their, their press secretary can deal with it and they don't have to answer it's just like the number of times that Biden has told us that his son died in Iraq. We know that's not true. His son died from cancer of the brain six years after he got back from Iraq. Now, I understand this guy's old. He's confused. But that's what, that's what we're trying to prove here, that he's not qualified. And he lies. He lies. Just listen. And they talk about inflation. Who's they? Everyone, Joe. You know, we're dealing with it for a whole second. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now because of a war in Iraq. And the this isn't true. This is not true at all. Inflation is not from a war in Iraq. Listen, that's supply and demand. Did you catch anything there? Yeah, there's no war in Iraq, Joe. Listen again. There's no war in Iraq. And they talk about inflation. You know, we're dealing with it for a whole second. 
Inflation is a worldwide problem right now because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia's doing. I mean, excuse me, the war in, in Ukraine. And uh, oil and what Russia's doing. I mean, excuse me, the war in, in Ukraine. And uh, I think of Iraq because that's where my son died. No, it's not. The, uh, because he died. Oh, yeah, because he died. You see? You see? Oh, he tries to cover himself and go, oh, uh, thinking of Iraq, cause that's, that's where my son died. Not true. Not true at all. Same thing happened the other day when he calls on a dead lady to stand up at a meeting where he was honoring her life. And he tells her to stand up and tell Susan, Susan, I think it was her name, stand up. Uh, nope. She dead, bro. She dead. Listen, I know a lot of you guys might get sick of me Biden bashing, but I do this because I want people to understand that I have the time to go through and research this stuff and listen to it, and I can condense it and bring it to you. And hopefully you can go share that with other people who think, well, uh, he's just he's better than Trump. You know, Trump's just so mean. Okay, whatever. Trump's done. He lost. We're not talking about Trump anymore. Let's figure out how to get Biden and the nursing home where he belongs. And so I provide examples to help convince people that he does not belong in the position of the most powerful man in the entire world. We're not talking about a mayor. We're not talking about somebody running for Senate that had a stroke. Not a joke. Not a joke. We're talking about the world's most powerful individual. And if he's not in control, who is? Who's controlling him? Okay, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a Biden break here for a second. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just ch- chill out, chill out, dude. Remember when everyone used to say, "Take a chill pill." <laughs> I had an uncle who used to always say that. Take a chill pill. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. I'm not gonna name names, but this particular individual had a disdain for any sort of chaos. Anytime there was like, you know, we're talking three kids in a house, maybe four kids, five kids. Anytime there's anything that gets thrown, or someone runs, or squeals, or tickles somebody. There's hey, 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 y'all chill. Y'all chill out. Y'all take a chill pill. Comp, settle down. Settle down. <laughs> oh, man. I will never forget those memories. So, anyway, I'm going to chill. I'm going to take a chill pill here for a second. I'm going to talk about something may or may not be interesting to you, but I'm going to talk about it anyway because I had an epitome last week about the candy bar industry. And it was, it was because it was Halloween and I got to looking around and we bought some some candy for the brewery to give away. And I look at the bags of candy, and I'm like, man, this is second-generation candy. This candy is the same candy that my parents ate. You know, probably starting from, like, the... My mom said Mr. Goodbar was her favorite candy as a child. I don't know when Mr. Goodbar came around. but It was probably in the 50s or 60s, so nothing's changed, right? They may have changed the recipe a little bit. They may have added or reduced the number of peanuts that are there. And it's, it's amazing to me that we're still happy with the same product. And it goes kind of along with my Taco Bell theory. And that's if Taco Bell was invented tomorrow, they would go out of business because no, because no one would eat it. Because it's kind of junky. But it's kind of good at the same time, right? It's a, it's a guilty pleasure. It's an indulgence. And then, you know, sometimes you've got a hankering for Taco Bell. It's okay. Just own it. Don't pretend like you don't. Just admit it. It, it, it can be McDonald's for you. It could be yakking in a box. It can be anywhere, but you. Everyone has their own little place that they, the kind of junky food or gas station favorite treat that they don't really like to tell people. And mine are those monster Slim Jims. That's another one of my favorite road trip foods. But let's not talk about that. 
So I'm looking at all these candy bars, and I'm thinking, man, they whoever makes all these candy bars has the market cornered. There's only about three or four companies that are actually competing for for candy bars. And in any business where you have just like a limited amount of display space, like a grocery store, convenience store, etc., it's going to be highly competitive to get your things in that space. So people want to put things in there that sell. And since nothing new has been offered, they can just keep feeding us the same candy because no new guy can get in there and get the space, right? These people have been given the the companies, the three or four companies that own the whole candy industry, their shelf space for 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, I don't know. Why would they just let some new guy come in there? And so because of the fact that they don't have really any competition, they're all just kind of competing against themselves to see who can sell the most of the same kind of candies we've been eating our whole life. And so they're... Their game is advertising. Whoever can conduct the most effective advertising will sell the most candy. And so this also contributes to my argument that just because a few companies control an industry doesn't mean it's a bad thing. And what do you mean, man? That's a monopoly. No, it's not. It's not a monopoly. A monopoly is when there's one company and you almost have to have the good and they control it, and they set the prices, and there's no competition. Now, that typically happens whenever the government gets involved. See also the pharmaceutical industry. But in the case of candy bars and sodas also, there's really no regulation. There's no what we call barriers to entry. There's nothing that says you you can't make soda, or you have to buy a license to make soda, and it's going to cost you tons and tons of money. And you're going to have to spend lots of time doing research and development and disclosing your recipe to the FDA it's really not all that difficult to make soda. We've done it at the brewery. It's not that difficult to make beer. But there's a couple of guys that control the space, and it's very, very hard to penetrate that space because they've been there for so long. And so this still ends up giving consumers the best prices because you got, let's just say, four guys. Four guys who are competing. And this same holds true in the meatpacking industry. There's, there's a little bit more regulation there, but there's not a ton it's not that difficult to open up a meat packing plant, but it is almost impossible to compete on the price that the big guys do. And so the, the constant competition of these four, five big guys competing and fighting for market share still pushes the prices down. And so in the case of the candy bar industry and the chip industry and the, and the soda industry, there's no room for anyone new because in order for them to enter the game, the marketplace, they would have to produce things at the same price or maybe a little bit less, or they have to offer a superior quality for a higher price. Well, our tastes and preferences for chips and junk food is already kind of set. We already have a set amount that we want to pay. As our income goes up, we might pay a little bit more for a higher product, but we don't really buy chips based on their price. We buy them based on our favorite brand. So in order for someone to compete, they'd have to start out with a facility as big as Frito-Lay. And I'm just using them for an example. I've never actually been there, but I can imagine they've got huge facilities. I watched a video this morning about how McDonald's manufactures all their products. And it was like, it doesn't even, there's hardly any humans that touch it. So you have to have, you know, tons of robotics, tons of automation to be able to compete at a price level to even be close to these guys. Not to mention all the supply chains that they've got on lockdown. 
Imagine trying to go to a potato farmer and say, hey, I need to buy 100 million tons of potatoes next year. He's going to say, dude, I'm already booked out. I've already sold it to Frito-Lay. We've already contracted the price. So chances are, even if you could build a facility big enough to produce your products at a price that's right in line with the rest of the market, you're not going to be able to get inputs because it's already all spoken for. And that's how efficient they are, these big companies. Yeah, there's only four or five at the top, but they've achieved that through competition with one another. And that, that's why I'm okay. I'm okay with four or five guys in there. I'm not okay with one or two guys unless everyone's completely happy with the product and the price, but that typically doesn't go that way. But after seeing the rest of the world and seeing that most countries, I'm saying the rest of the world, after seeing other parts of the world, most countries have one company that control everything. And there, there's no regulation in place to, to keep monopolies from happening because their government's more corrupt than ours. And they've got a couple powerful families that have been there the whole time running everyone. And so they don't get the luxury of the, the competition that we have. Now, they're all fine because they don't know any better. In my opinion, that's not an excuse, though. And that brings me to my next topic after while we're talking about commodities and control and prices and whatnot, I know some people have been talking about the 25-day supply of diesel and how we're going to we're going to run out of diesel in 25 days. So so run out there and buy your your canned goods and well, it's not quite that simple. What uh, what it what it doesn't mean or what what they fail to tell you is that it's not that we have 25 days left until we run out. It just means that if we were to stop refining oil into diesel, we would have 25 days left until we ran out. But because of the fact that we're still producing it, we're not necessarily eating into those 25-day reserves. So as long as we can keep our production up, which I just looked up a report that the API put out, which is like the American Petroleum Institute, and this report ended the week of October 28th, so not too far out of date. Uh, they say that, let me rephrase that, they don't say, they published in a report, that where we've increased our production from 5 point, no, sorry, 4.9 million barrels per day to 5.1 million barrels per day, a couple hundred thousand barrels. So as long as we can, we can produce more each day than what we're consuming, that 25-day reserve will continue to go up or it'll go down. What I expect to end up happening is that for that 25-day that number to continue going up. And that's because you're starting to see the economy slow down. You're starting to see companies lay people off. They're not spending as much in advertising. Their earning reports are going down. So because of that, when you don't have as much money being spent, you don't have people buying as much things. You don't have people moving around as freely. And so the demand for diesel is created through all that. Because everything you buy has been moved by diesel. So as we constrict demand and we make everyone in the country broke, people won't spend as much. Therefore, things won't move as much. Therefore, our consumption of diesel will go down. So you got to be careful because the right is just as guilty as creating these stories that invoke all these emotions to make you feel a certain way so that you'll be unhappy with the opponents of the right. The same thing holds true about uh, the uh, the money printing situation. You know, everyone's blaming Biden right now for the the exorbitant 
inflation that we're having. But but Orange Man kicked that off. He started printing money. Now I think that he was told to do it. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think he has a super strong grasp on macroeconomics. So it appears to me that he was getting uh, chirping in his ear from his son-in-law, Mr. Kushner, that um, they should print money. So I, I don't know if that's true or not. Who knows? But either way, he decided to turn on the money printer, and he did it twice. And so that that's what really got the inflation kicked off. So I don't know. You can't just sit around and blame whoever's in office at the, at the moment. And you also can't say, well, they started it, did it. He's just cleaning up what the other president left him because it's always an excuse. So, yeah, the the point is, it's not, I know I seem doom and gloom a lot about a lot of things, but I tried to be as straightforward as I can. And so after doing a little bit of digging, you know, 30 to 35 days is kind of our comfort zone for diesel supply on hand. And for something to happen that stops our diesel refining for more than 25 days, is just that that we're gonna have bigger problems on our hands. So you better know how to how to catch and kill your own food if that's the case. But this is a direct result. The fact that we've shrunk from our thirty to forty day supply, this is not a result from COVID. It's not because of COVID. It's the way that we reacted to COVID. It's the way that the the policy that the people have put into place who are making decisions right now about refining and production. See. Biden has come out several times and said he wants to end natural gas. So we have to assume that he's telling the truth because the actions that he's taking support that, right? He's making it hard for people to drill oil. He's making it more enticing for people to invest in green energy. He's, he's making it less profitable and more risky for the oil people than the greenie weenies. And so because of that, people aren't investing in energy exploration and production. This is not a right-wing conspiracy theory. This is legitimate policy that you can go look up. But don't don't trust me. Go do your own research. One of my best friends happens to be the president of an oil company. So I get to hear firsthand from the mouth of the horse what they're up against. He said they have not been able to find money or investors for the last few years. I don't think he's lying. I don't think he's a right-wing conspiracy theorist. I think it's true. So don't believe everything they tell you. Fox News wants you to feel just as mad as CNN does. And when you get a chance, go do some reading about the diesel reserves on hand. I tell you what, I don't know where, as they say in Southern, I don't know where y'all been. What? Uh, say what, bro? I tell you what, I don't know where, as they say in Southern, I don't know where y'all been. <laughs> uh, damn, boy. You know what this reminds me of? It was cold to hell. I should have let film stay in. Let y'all see that that one that's gonna happen to that white woman for letting that damn baby in that road. Not my president. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. Okay, keep talking, Brandon. Stop playing the stupid clips. We didn't. We didn't pay to listen to you play these stupid clips with your little toy. All right. Next up, next we got. Look at my notes here. Windfall taxes on highly profitable oil companies. You know what? I'm going to skip that. I might do that next week. I got too much to get to. It's getting late, and I'm tired of sitting here. So I'm going to move on. I'm going to skip that one. So pretend like I never said that. Maybe next week. You know, we're, as we're coming up on voting day on Tuesday, it's for the midterms. If you haven't voted, go vote on Tuesday. No, I'm not. I'm just joking. Listen, I'm sick and tired of people saying, just go vote. You have to go vote. 
take your time and go vote, vote, vote for the Democrats. I'm tired of people telling people to go vote. You see, this is why we end up electing people like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and all these people that have no business being in office. And, and Dan Crenshaw, who's a Republican, and Liz Cheney, who's a Republican, and all the people that we don't like, we get them because we pick them. And the problem I have with telling people just to go vote is that they go in there and they make an uninformed decision, right? We're not happy with with people who do predatory lending, who get you to commit to taking a loan that they know you can't afford, and then they go and sell the loan. We're not okay with that. Why? Because it's not right to convince someone to do something when they're uneducated about it. And it's very hard, number one, to be educated about something if you just rely on what the media shoves down your throat. If you're just relying on what you see on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, that's not education. It's also hard to make a decision when you're young. And because with age comes wisdom and experience. And so these policies that you're voting on, a lot of people don't understand them. They don't understand the repercussions, right? It sounds so good to just wipe away debt. Student debt. Students shouldn't have to pay debt. But what's the backlash? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So what is that? where do things go south if you just erase debt, right? If I had a credit card and I had debt and it was just erased, who gets screwed? The guy who loaned me the money. Yeah, but the government will pay him back and then everything will be fine. Well, where does the government get money? From taxes. So my point is, is that if you're not educated, if you can't explain policy, don't vote. We we should teach this, you know. We should teach people that if you don't really know what you're voting for, then you probably shouldn't vote. Because, the, the see, the people who, who run these elections, all these politicians... They're the ones who came up with this whole just go vote because it's easy for them to convince someone to vote for them. And if we just get everyone to the polls, then it's a popularity contest. Then you can have people like Beto O'Rourke who win, who could win a seat in the Senate because his name is Beto O'Rourke and he rides a skateboard, which he's not going to if, if you trust predict it, and I do. So remember, next week when I do the podcast, I'm going to revisit the Beto election. And I'm going to show you how much you won by compared to how much Predicted is saying he will win by. So yeah, so don't just go vote. Take the time. Understand what you're voting for. Or if you're truly confident that your morals, beliefs, values align with a certain party, then just go vote straight ticket. If you're sure that you like the Democratic way of doing things, and that you don't care about creating wealth, and you're not excited for small businesses to thrive, and you think people should pay taxes based on, you know, the more you make, the more you get taxed. We, we should make millionaires go broke. And if you think that way, then just vote straight Democrat. I will warn you, I will warn you, if you're, if you're considering doing that, just take a look around at the cities that are run by Democrats and look at the state of those cities and decide if that's how you want to be. Because there are lots of cities that are run by Democrats that you do not want to live there. And it's so ironic to me that the people that are represented by the Democrats suffer the consequences of said Democrats that they get duped into voting for. You see, the the government, they're so good at dividing us. They're so good at dividing us that they can convince us to turn on each other through 
through the unfair elections, right? In my perfect world, whenever you have someone accusing someone of cheating in elections, the entire voting population should turn inward and look at that. Now, this includes Trump. This includes Hillary. This is everyone. But we're so tribal. We're so partisan-based that if people start to say the election was stolen, we automatically go against them if they're against our party, or we go with them if they're for our party. But remember when when Trump lost and and all the Republicans like time out. This there could be some fraud here. And here's what we think. And the Democrats were so quick to say this was a free and fair election. There has been no form of voter fraud. And like two days, really? Two, two, three, four days, two weeks, two months into it, you're just gonna quit. Just not even look into it because you know they're just they're just sore losers. What if they're right? What if there really was voter fraud? Wouldn't you want to know that? Even if you lost the election, even if you won the election, even if the candidate won that you wanted to win, wouldn't you want that to be known if the election was fake? Or are you so concerned with your party getting in there that, you know what, it might be worth cheating a little bit? It might it might be worth it just so that we can win, so we can win. And it's funny because these people refer to themselves as we, as part of a group. Hey, newsflash, McFly, those people are not like you. Even if they have a Democrat or a D after their name, they're not like you. They don't work with their hands. They don't get a paycheck. They don't have to clock in. They don't have to worry about making any payments on anything. So there is no we when it comes to the the citizens and the politicians i don't care if you're a republican democrat I'm, I'm fully aware that those guys that are republican the ted cruises of the world they're not like me i know that i understand that so when he says stuff like we i think to myself bro there's no we you're not like us but it works to create a sense of tribalism and they know that if i had my way it would be all of us all the people all the working class people who have small businesses and go to a job every day and they clock in and clock out. It would be all of us versus all of them. But they're so clever. They know exactly what they're doing. They have the help of the media. And they just sprinkle some drama over here and sprinkle some drama over there. You know, it's like abortion. People hate to hear me say this, but abortion is not a huge deal. It's not. It doesn't affect hardly anyone. It doesn't affect enough people for us to argue about it. Like, it doesn't affect enough people to, to worry about running elections on it. But they know what sparks emotions, and they're very good at it. Because if they can make all the plebs down here fight about abortion, then they can collectively work together to pass, oh, this is a bipartisan bill. That means that means that oh yeah we shouldn't we shouldn't talk about it the plebs shouldn't argue about the bipartisan bill because you know both sides agreed on it not thinking for a second hey you know what they agree on something that's probably not a good thing we should probably look into that and see why both sides support a war in Ukraine why do both sides support subsidizing the chip industry and if they feared us doing that kind of thing there would be fewer shenanigans. Would all the corruption go away? Probably not. But if they were terrified of us turning on them, they would behave differently. I guarantee you. 
And if we didn't trust the government or if we trusted them less publicly, then it wouldn't be the Republicans and the Democrats fighting over COVID. It would be the people distrusting the people who are making the decisions that affect the normal people, if that makes sense. We wouldn't be bitching about COVID policy. We would all work together to make sure that they're not screwing us over and that they're not in bed with Pfizer and Moderna and that they're not lining their own pockets. It's messed up. The flu killing more folks than they do, so what's up? We're going to die anyway. Remember, people like Trump so much because he's so much like them. Even though he's not like them in real life, the way that he speaks, they can identify with. Imagine if somebody got into office who rose up from a working man position, right? He didn't. He wasn't born into a family of wealth. He didn't go to all these private schools. He didn't rub elbows with the dignitaries. He didn't fly in private jets. What if we put a plumber? Let's. I would rather see someone in the seat of the president who took a plumbing company from zero in his truck by himself and got it to be a huge company, a place where all his employees love him and his secretary loves him and everyone says that he does good things and he's willing to be the president for free without taking any money and he doesn't want any kind of endorsements. He's not begging for money. In my world, that would be like fantasy land. If we can get to a point where we can separate true leaders from these grimy assholes, then we could see the country go back to what it used to be. Remember, the country used to be a place where you could be a carpenter and have a stay-at-home mom and three kids and live just fine and own your home in 30 years. But what's happened? What's happened since then? Well, a lot's happened, but a big thing is money manipulation. That the greed of these people who are who are trying to control the money supply in the U.S. And you know what? I shouldn't just say that. It's not just greed. But because of the fact that they want to see growth at a faster rate than it would be otherwise, they're willing to manipulate the money. And that has got us to where we are today, where it takes a working mom, a working dad. You have to pay for your kids to go to daycare. You have to pay for all your subscriptions. Like the the cost to live a good life is getting higher and higher. And you you just can't, that just can't happen forever. It, 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 it's unsustainable. If you look at anything in nature and you chart that and you graph it, Nothing goes up at that rate forever. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of went off track a little bit. It tends to happen, you know. Don't uh, you, if, you, if you're unhappy with that, you can email me and I'll give you your money back. BrandonTheHarper at gmail.com. Yes, I play the harp. So what? My University of Florida football team for winning its second NCAA BS, BCS championship bowl game in the last three seasons. Go Gator. Go Gator. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. That's Corinne Brown, one of our elected politicians who can barely read. You know, she can barely read, but that's okay. She's looking out for the people. She's watching out for us, for our group, and what we need. And she's going to help us rise up. Give me a break. The irony in all that is that we're electing stupid people who are incompetent to represent the people who need representation the most. I don't care. Call me a racist. It doesn't matter to me. I want to congratulate the University of Florida not only for being the best academic 
school, but also the athletic school in the country. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, what about a gasoline at station? a gasoline oh, yeah. station, you get out and you create a crowd. Oh, yeah? And you push back on them. Okay. And you tell them they're not welcome anymore, anywhere. Anti-Maxine going off, telling people to, if you see them, Whoever M, whoever you see them is, you in a cabinet member at a gasoline station, you tell them they are not welcome. Anytime, any place, any moat. Okay. Okay, Auntie. Got it. All right. Last topic of the day before I get canceled. <laughs> Actually, I don't care if I get canceled. This if this podcast gets canceled, I'll just start another one, you know? I'll just start another one and another one and another one. It's okay. Can't you can't cancel the little guy. All right. So, we now live in a world where anything that people disagree with is called misinformation. And I'm it's getting kind of old, all right? It's getting people who can't argue points and topics and viewpoints, they just aim to silence the people that they're they're speaking against. And I definitely feel like we should be able to disagree without being disagreeable. But that's not the case with the other people, the people who think that we should just silence the conspiracy theorists. Now, what I was driving to work the other day, and when I drive to work, I listen to talk. When I drive home, I listen to music. So I like to listen to talk, mainly finance, economics, kind of gets the juices flowing. And so I'm listening to Bloomberg, which is a financial news on YouTube, and I'm not watching it while I'm driving, so don't flip out. I'm just listening to it. And here's a clip that I heard. It's about, I don't know, 40-some-odd 40, 40 seconds. As for the midterms, there may be a new sign of Russian interference. The Internet Research Agency, the same Russian-affiliated group accused of meddling in prior elections, is using political cartoons to promote right-wing conspiracy theories. That's according to research shared exclusively with Bloomberg News by the social media analysis firm Graphica. One cartoon claims Democrat Tim Ryan would release drug traffickers from prison in Ohio. Another shows Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock threatening people who don't support Black Lives Matter. The cartoon are signed by someone named Schmitz. Graphica says it's unclear whether that's a real artist or a made-up persona. In Washington, I'm Nathan Hager, Bloomberg Radio. Club. Okay, this set me off, guys. This, I was driving to work, and I just thought to myself, well, here we are. This is where we are now. Anyone who makes political cartoons using satire is now being called a right-wing conspiracy theorist. Hopefully you see how messed up this has become, right? So one of the pictures was about Democrat Tim Ryan trying to release drug traffickers from prison, okay? So this is a political cartoon. How many people out there, when they look at a political car political cartoon, they think, oh, man, that that's really... Is that really what they want? Is that... I mean, I know it's a cartoon and a drawing, and I know that the people have over-accentuated facial features, and I know that their head's really not that big and their, their bodies aren't that small, but, man, does he really want to let people out of prison? Does, does Warnock really want to prosecute people who don't support Black Lives Matter? Well, that's just messed up. Hey, 
listen, Bloomberg, we're okay. We, we can figure out that it's just a political cartoon. It's just somebody's sense of humor. It, maybe it's someone trying to get rich. It's someone trying to, to take a viewpoint of someone and making it funny. Because humor is how we deal with adversity. And humor is how we, feel, we, we deal with discomfort. Humor is an outlet for us. So there's nothing wrong with political cartoons. But do you see how far this has gone? We've gone from like being able to make political cartoons about our opponents. And I'm talking about in the 70s, 80s, 90s. And we would laugh about them. They put them in the newspaper. We would joke. And we would understand it's a joke. But this is what happens whenever people start censoring and filtering, right? People lose the natural ability to decipher reality from satire. And what a sad day. What a sad day whenever... Bloomberg has to report that, hey guys, we um, it's just kind of scary. We we want to let you guys know that there's some Russian uh collusion collusion um people who make memes and they're spreading these cartoons and then they're not real. They're not even real. This cartoon, they can't be saying that stuff. This not real. I challenge everyone to to go look up some political cartoons from like the seventies or eighties. I've played clips on here before. That, that show Reagan joking about Russia publicly in his speech. Now, can you imagine if somebody got up and told jokes about Russia, even as much as we hate Russia and we're not Putin sympathizers, what people would say, how angry they would get for telling jokes about Russia and saying, that's not even true. Yeah, it's a freaking joke. But yeah, this is where we are, right? And the more that they censor, the more that they filter, the more that they disallow people to post their opinions, the more they're going to feel the need to have to come out and say, hey guys, just we're going to have to put a disclaimer on this meme. Okay, it's not real. This meme that you're seeing is fake. And you know what I love? I love that it's becoming a game for some guys who make memes to put the most ridiculous meme out there and see if it can get a disclaimer. Yeah, that's what you call tinkering. We're tinkering with the fact checkers. And, and I know it's probably all artificial intelligence. No humans are actually making decisions, but maybe there are. But either way, you're using up their bots to, to make them tell you that a political cartoon is fake. I mean, I, I don't know. That really, really ground on me a little bit that these people think they got to tell us when a political cartoon is not real. And that's that's how they keep us divided. That is how they keep us from turning on them. It's going to end humor. This will put an end to comedy unless we push back. Unless you're not scared to say the things that you think are funny. If you're scared to say things that you think are funny because you don't want to have to deal with the reaction of other people... That's the problem. Now, I didn't say you don't want to hurt someone's feelings because that is a good reason to not tell a joke. You see the difference there? I don't joke around people that I care about. I don't joke around people that I don't know that well because I don't know what what could be sensitive to them and I don't know their personal issues. So, But you know what? Every now and then, you make a joke. If you think something's funny and someone chooses to get offended because you said something that offended them, 
Well, that's on them. You know, you can't expect people to not make jokes because you don't want them to offend someone. If someone makes a joke and you think it's tasteless or classless, that's fine. That's your opinion. But telling them that they shouldn't say that, that's just your opinion. A lot of you guys have heard this story. It's about my dad, Dave Harper. There's lots of stories about my dad, but this one is one of my all-time favorites, and all my good friends know it. So my dad was hanging out at a bar one time. He probably had a little bit too much to drink. There was a cop in there, and my dad kind of, he didn't really like cops too much, you know. He, <laughs> he, I'll, maybe those stories will come later, but he, he had issues with police officers. My dad was a racist, right? He's not, he wasn't a, he, he was kind-hearted to some people, but he had a lot of anger and hatred towards other people. So, I'm, full disclosure, right? I'm not afraid to admit it. I know what a racist looks like. Either way, there are some funny stories from his past. And one of them, he was hanging out at the bar. He'd been drinking, I guarantee you, scotch and water. And a cop walked by. And he goes to the cop and he says, Hey, what do you do if I call you a son of a bitch? And the cop just looked at him and goes, Well, uh, I'd probably put handcuffs on you take you to jail for harassing a police officer. Then my dad goes, what are you going to do if I just think you're a son of a bitch? And the guy goes, well, I mean, if you think something, then, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. And my dad goes, well, I think you're a son of a bitch. <laughs> Turned around and walked off. I don't know what happened. I don't think he got arrested. But, you know, I mean, you can't control people's thoughts. You can't even control what people say. The only thing you can control is how you feel when people say things. And that's up to you. It's up to no one else to protect you or to shield you from things that you find offensive. Because everyone finds different things offensive. And if you think that political cartoons are offensive or if you're worried that it's going to spread the wrong message, then just don't partake. But you have to trust humanity. You have to trust that humans will learn through mistakes and we will decipher things. We'll learn how to have discernment and to figure out what's real and what's fake. But the only way we can do that is by going through it. And there are trials and tribulations involved. But I'm of the opinion that it's worth it. It's worth it. Because once you start taking freedoms away, they never come back. You never. When was the last time you saw laws get reverted? And, and no, Roe v. Wade was not a law. But when was the last time you saw laws get peeled away? Regulations get taken back. The only time you ever see it is in a time of crisis. A perfect example was during COVID. Whenever all of a sudden the state of Texas thought, well, you know, we shut down all these bars and restaurants and they're going broke. Maybe we should let them sell alcohol to go. Wow, there's a novel concept. So then all of a sudden, people started buying alcohol to go. You think there's more DUIs? Think there was more accidents? No, there wasn't. There was no change in any of that. And so you can see what happens whenever regulations that are unnecessary get removed. And that is there is absolutely no change. I'm of the opinion that lots of regulations that we have are unnecessary. They're a net burden on us. That means they cause more harm, more pain, more discomfort, more aggravation than what they solve. And sure, that's an opinion, right? That's my opinion. I'm entitled to it. You're entitled to your opinion. You may cut me, man, but I'm going to wrap this chain around your head. You know, we're dealing with it for a couple of seconds. Inflation is a worldwide problem right now. 
because of a war in Iraq and the impact on oil and what Russia's doing, I mean, excuse me, the war in, in Ukraine. And uh, think of Iraq because that's where my son died, the, uh, because he died. The, uh, but the point Through an international effort to pressure. The message said, end of message. All righty. All righty. As Floyd used to say, I think that's going to wrap up today's show. Kind of long, a little over an hour, but you know what? Free, no cost to you. Just so you know, I spent an hour talking and I spent about an hour and a half doing other stuff. So, hope you got your money's worth. Life in Paradise podcast. Keeping it real out here. Hey, that reminds me, I did learn a new phrase this past week. We outside. We outside. I follow a couple rappers, like up-and-coming rappers, which I think might they, they might be doing other stuff other than rapping, if I had to guess. I don't know for sure. Somehow I know that they have real fancy teeth and lots of jewelry. So anyway, the, the phrase is, we outside. And I asked Harry, I said, Harry, what does we outside mean? He goes, I have no idea. I know what we out chill means. So I looked up, we outside, Urban Dictionary. It means like, we out here, we, we doing real stuff. We doing hood rat stuff with our friends. But I wanted to do hood rat stuff with my friend. And so, yeah, I'm starting to say that all the time now. We outside, which I played the lotto, and I bought a lotto ticket. I took a picture of the lotto ticket, and I sent it to Harry. I said, I'm going to be outside. Okay, I'm supposed to be ending the show, and I went off. I went off. Once again, I appreciate listening to Life in Paradise podcast with me, your host, uh-huh, you got it, didn't you? I hope everyone has a great week. Go out there, vote if you're educated. Don't vote if you're not educated. Work hard. Speak your mind. Don't be afraid to share your sense of humor. Go outside. And keep it tranquilo. I swear these niggas is under me. Hey. The hate and the devil keep jumping me. Bank rolls on me, keep me company. Hey, we did the most. most. Yeah, pull up and goes. Yeah, my diamonds a choker. Ah. Holding up, I with no holster. Bah. Read the ruler, diamond cooler. cooler. This a roller, not a mula. Hey. Dabbing on them like the usual. Damn. Magic with the brick do voodoo. Magic. Court side with a bad bitch. bitch. Then I send the bitch through Uber. Go. I'm young and rich and plus I'm bougie. Hey. I'm not stupid, so I keep the Uzi. Ah. Records got back ass on back ass, so my money making my back. Ay. You niggas got a low act rate. We from the north, yeah, that way. Fat cookie blunt in the ashtray. Two bitches just nice no smash that. Hop in the limb, have a drag race. I let them burst take a bath, baby. Raindrop, drop top, drop top. Smoking no cooking the hot box. Fucking on your bitch, yeah, that, that, that. Cooking up dope in the crock pot. We came from nothing to something, nigga. I don't try nobody grip the trigger. Nobody call up the gang and they come and get gang. Cry me your river, give you a tissue. Bad and bullshit, bad. Cooking up dope with a oozy. My niggas are savage, ruthless. We got thudders and hundred rounds too. My bitch is bad and bullshit, bad. Cooking up dope with a oozy. My niggas are savage, ruthless. We got thudders and hundred rounds too. Hold four, dropping muddy out of space. Kid, cut, introduce me to your bitch's wifey. And we know she slutty. Broke a brick down, nutty, buddy. Now that nigga duck it. Don't move too fast, I might shoot you. Draco, bad and bougie. I'm always hanging with shooters. Might be posted somewhere secluded. Still be playing with pots and pans. Call me Quavo Ratatouille. Run with that set, call me Boobie. When I'm on stage, show me Boobies. Ice on my neck on the coolest. How about the suicide with the ooze? I pull up, I pull up, I pull up, I pull up.